All right, Romans chapter 5. We got through uh, verses 1 and 2 last week. And um, we'll uh, look at a couple more points here in verse 2 before moving on. Romans 5, like I said, I, I told you, is such a wonderful chapter in, in, in the book of Romans and such a wonderful chapter in the Bible for you. For the believer, for the believer in Christ Jesus. It's just a wonderful, wonderful um, section of Scripture. And just by way of review, I'll make it a quick one. We talked about last week, as we saw in verse 1, that we are justified by faith, which is, um, again, um, an enormous truth. We talked about why that's important, because if you're justified by works, that, that can lead to concerns. I won't go into those again, see the previous study on we talk about the fact that we are justified by faith. We talked about the fact that we have peace with God and what all that means. That it's not just simply, you know, you know, you hear this term when somebody dies, well, I know that they made their peace with God. Well, uh, not, you might want to understand how this works. You know, it's, it's not so much did you make um, your peace with God is, you know, did, does God have peace with you? We've talked about that before. There's one door, one point of access. And, and so sometimes we can just let things roll off of our tongue and not really understand the enormity of the, the conversation that's being had. I'm not saying that's wrong to say, oh, they had peace with God. It's just under, it makes you understand how that peace comes and what all that means and what all that entails. Because just because somebody acknowledges God, just because somebody acknowledges Jesus Christ. So, kind of what you're saying then, the uh, deathbed, you know, acceptance of Christ as your Savior and getting peace, you know, that um, may or may not be uh, the message of salvation. Uh, it could be uh, uh, that, it, that it's not. I mean, the message. That's right. And that's what this is talking about. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's not because you've decided, yeah, okay, I've decided to accept Christ. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. You have peace with God when you are justified by faith. And you're justified by faith when you resurrection. And so, yeah, deathbed confession... Um, you know, unto salvation needs to be uh, understanding by faith that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and that only Savior is Jesus Christ, and that it's done and paid for. Well, and maybe Tim was also trying to point out the difference of the peace with God versus the peace of God. You know, um, the peace of God we, we have, but that's also... trust God and we can trust his word and allow it to give us peace or we can live in fear or whatever. I'm just, mm -hmm. That's an example. So sure. This is not talking about the peace of God, but the difference of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there is a difference. Um, but just making sure that you understand 
Paul has spent the first four chapters here talking about justification. All have come short of the glory of God, which we'll actually be talking about that later, um, how that works, because it comes up here in verse 2. And so, yeah, that uh, so many times, again, the world wants to roll off things that, um, you know, they've accepted, accepted God. Uh, well, the question is, were you accepted in the beloved? That's the question. And there's one way, so... Um, that it, we don't just have access to God. We have access to God basically because we have access to the grace of God. And that's what it says there. We have access to the grace of God by this, by this faith. By whom also, by Christ, also we have access, verse 2, by faith into this grace. Jesus Christ is the means to which grace flows. And we talked about last last week, I think it was, that all the things that we have, all the things that God blesses humanity with is through Christ Jesus. That's who it's through. And so we have access to God. We have access to the grace of God through um, faith um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so those are some of the things that if you miss, if you missed that study last week, uh, we can't redo it. We could, but that wouldn't probably be too wise with our time. See last week's study. Um, it actually had the uh, audio working on that one. So, but the last part, or, or a few other parts, we still didn't even get into in this verse too. It talks about here this grace wherein we stand. That's a pretty interesting statement uh, because so many people seem to think that they stand their position um, unto God. And it's not based upon you continuing in faith. This is why I say when you, when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you've met, that, you've met the need. Um, you can, I've even said it before, I believe, I believe wholeheartedly that somebody that accepts the, the gospel, somebody who believes the, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, they are sealed, signed. Yep. And that, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that we're sealed in Him, and and if and if we could fail, we would. You know, in, in the case of losing our salvation. Oh yeah, that's that's certainly the case. Yeah, that that's why it's it's we don't stand, and that's why we're going to talk about this standing um, in, in regards to you know our position. Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse thirteen. This is a verse that some people. Um, confused in regards to this issue, but to piggyback on what what Derek is talking about, uh, yes, we Ephesians says that that we didn't have a standing, which we're going to talk about here in a second with this word stand. Christ is that mediator between God and man. He is that one that that puts his hand, so to speak, figuratively on both shoulders between God and man. 
He is the one that makes all that possible. And if you don't have Christ, you don't have a mediator, which means you don't have an advocate. You don't have those things. So, 1 Corinthians. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. And so some suggest that um, without getting into the whole Arminianism and Calvinism debate and all that situation, some suggest that that you have to stand in your faith. You have to continue to have faith. That if you stop having faith, then you've walked away and God's no longer going to recognize the situation. Uh, you're we stand is in our faith. We stand, as Romans 5.2 says, in this grace. We stand in grace. That's what we stand in. We have access by faith. We have peace with God by faith. But your standing is by grace. That's what it's based upon. Um, we stand in the power of the gospel. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. And so you stand in the power of the gospel. And that is in that, the power that's in that message. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We stand in the power. Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. It says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. You see, we don't, there is the idea, I mean, obviously we read in there in 1 Corinthians 16 that we're supposed to quit ourselves like men. We're supposed to stand up, stand firm for, for these things that we believe in. It doesn't work that way. The foundation is in the power of God. It's in his faithfulness, which is why we, we spent so much time when we talked about where, where the Bible talks about the faith of Christ and not just faith in Christ because it's his faithfulness that keeps us saved. Yes? So then what does he mean in um, 1613? And how are we to take that if it's not... 1613. Yeah. Because we are to stand. We're supposed to stand in this faith. We should quit, quit ourselves like men. Behave yourself. Behave yourself. Um, and, and so, as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren. But his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. Watch ye. Stand fast. Charity, I beseech you, brethren, you know that the house of Stephanus and how they've addicted themselves to the ministry. It's not talking about your standing, meaning your position in Christ. It's not talking about you, your position towards God. It's with this position, how you are to, what you're supposed to do with that. Um, I don't waver in the idea that I'm a United States citizen. I don't waver in that. I stand firm in that. If I go to the court system, matter of fact, the, the teaching assignment I was given for the next uh, 
BBF conference in a year from now is to talk about this very subject, the fact that, that we ha- the rights that we have in the United States, how is it a believer is supposed to exercise those rights, like even to the court system? Well, you would stand fast in those liberties that you have. I'm not going to go before the judge and, 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 and not um, stand. hopefully, um, to do things against my liberties. And so it's the same thing whenever we have, we have this, this position in Christ. We stand fast in that, but that's not suggesting that our position towards God is somehow affected. Tim? I mean, if you read uh, 1613, and then you go back a few verses, and he's talking about Timothy coming, and... <laughs> unwilling to come at this time so obviously there there's a lot of strife or something going on in that situation so uh, you know he's saying be brave be strong stand fast in the faith so mm-hmm. uh, to me that comes across as kind of an <coughs> things going on but you need to be steady mm-hmm. maintain the faith Sure, because he's sending, um, he's, he's wanting to send Timotheus, he's wanting to send Apollos there um, for multiple reasons. And so there's this need to, to reassure them that the fact that they need to stand on these truths, stand on, um, you know, what they have. But that's not necessarily that your um, position uh, before Christ, you were standing before God is somehow based upon you standing for it. I have, which, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, I have standing before God. We have an attorney here who, who understands this types of thing, but you as a believer, you actually have standing. It's a legal term uh, that determines you have standing before God. Tim might be able to explain it to you, but I, I, I've seen it enough times just where, claim. where, what's that? Just claim. Where, 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 some, where somebody may make a lawsuit and it's thrown out because it's, it's decided they don't have standing. They don't have a right to come there. Um, that's what standing is. Our faith is not, in other words, our continuing having the faith. Says we have access to God. It's we've now been given standing. Um, you might, uh, um, we, we stand and we do have standing uh, with God, but it's, it's, again, because we have that standing, we have access to God. Again, somebody goes to the court systems, files a lawsuit. I mean, and again, I'm, I'm no attorney, but I would, I would expect that this, the idea of standing but even whether or not somebody has the right to argue the case. Am I right on that? That I can't go into the courts and be recognized unless the judge allows it. I don't have standing to argue court cases. Matter of fact, you can't go to the Supreme Court unless you have standing as as an attorney to do so. And it's the same thing. You have standing before God, and that's, that's that position that you have. Does that 
remotely. All right. So understand that we stand in the power of God. We stand in the power of the gospel. We stand um, in the grace of God. We do not stand um, on ourselves. But again, that is not to say that um, we aren't encouraged, we aren't um, told to stand in that faith, to quit us like men. Esther is a great book. If you've not studied the book of Esther, but if you if you know the, 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 the climax or the part of the climax of the story is that uh, Mordecai, her uncle, tells her that she's going to have to go to the king, right? And, and basically plead for the case of the Jews. And what was the problem with that? She could get killed by doing it. Why? Well, and not only that, she was a Jew, but also she didn't have standing. You'd think, well, that's as her husband or she's his wife and all that but keep in mind not just anybody could go to the king anytime they wanted you had to have basically an appointment you had to be approved before you could come to the king and that's why it was it was whether or not she would be killed by going to him at that time now we know the story that he reaches out the scepter and and She didn't have standing to go before then, but he gave her standing. He gave her access. And it's the same way with us. God gave us access. God gave us standing. And that is not going to be removed. And it's accessed by faith. So, I'm trying to understand. I think you're talking about standing. God because of his faith in, in, in us mm-hmm. and that is something that never changes and the other one is a standing which is a practicing of our faith uh, before God and that can dissipate or go through waves of different Is that, is that the two ways you're trying to differentiate that? Correct. Uh, we stand um, in this grace that we have. Um, and again, what is grace? Is it merited favor? No. Earned? No, it's unmerited favor. It's something that you weren't, didn't deserve, and we have access to that grace um, by faith in Christ. Our standing is in that. Yes, you are called. <clears throat> in the second part that, that you're talking about there, we stand. It, it says, stand fast there in the liberty which Christ has set you free. Now, does Paul suggest that, guess what? You should always claim your liberties. You should always claim your rights. You should always do this kind of things. No, that's not what he's talking about there because he also talks about the fact that, that, that if it's block to your weaker brethren don't stand in that but when it comes to how your position your position stand fast in those liberties that you have 
Um, and so we have to make sure that you understand it in context. You stand, your position before God, your standing is secured. Well, I, think, I think I heard Valerie say this earlier, that secured in God and sealed, your standing is really your behavior before God. Is that, is that, is it, is that, Help define the second type of standing? The second type is more of your mindset is, is not your position. Okay. And so your mindset, obviously, it, it's funny how this happens. We'll be talking is going to affect your behavior. But again, your position is not going to be affected by um, anything that you do once you've once you've accessed this, once you get this, once you have this, you have it. You have standing. Now, therefore, do these things. So I hope that, hope that answers the question. Hopefully I didn't make you more confused. But just understand that, that um, there's... When it's talking about the... Uh, make sure that you continue to understand and believe that you have standing versus oh you better you better continue to believe so that you do have standing there's a total big difference so all right then it goes on if that wasn't complicated then it which doesn't even flow off the tongue to make sense or understand very well but again, it's 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 not super complicated, um, you know. When we when we think of um, this, uh, how does it say? Here? We re- rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Um, keep in mind, contrary to contemporary use, especially in English, hope is a maybe. When the Bible is is talking, most of the time. Anyway, when Bible's talking about hope, it's not talking about, well, boy, I sure hope we have good weather because we're going to the beach later. That's not what it's talking about. Hope that it's talking about here is something that we have, something that we're waiting for, that thing that is certain that's on the horizon at some point. That's what it's to, to hope. It's not your, um, something that you hope that comes. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. It says, Who now rejoice in my spirit of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister, uh, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me you to fulfill the word of God. This was not the passage I was looking for. Oh, wait, there it is. It keeps on going. Even the mystery which has been hid, the first 26, saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
understand that there is a future. Um, I guess I guess you get right realize this. I'm, I'm not spoiling anybody's understanding. This isn't as good as it gets, right? You understand? Much better than this world, and and in the, in the future, this is that glory that's going to take place. That glory that Christ has now in the heavenlies. Guess what? We are going to have that in the future. And so it's often referred to as this hope of glory, this thing that we are going to have. The glory of God has to do with what God is going to do in the millennial kingdom. George, did you have your hand up? Unrealized, even though it's certain. Yeah, because if 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 your faith is something that you're not convinced of, then you don't have yourself a you know realized a certain hope. Um, If you've put your faith in the finished work of Christ, um, and you believe that, you have a certain hope to come. And that's what the Bible uses hope about. It's this certain thing. It's not not a possibility. It's a it's a it's a definite. And if you go back in Romans, remember Romans three. Look at Romans three, verse twenty three. Sometimes I think that we need to think of expand our our understanding a little bit. Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned, what you won't, guess what everybody's problem was? They sinned, which means they come short of the glory of God. That was not going to happen for that person. And Romans and Paul is explaining what God did about that. And now, as a believer, guess what? You've got a hope, a certain hope of the glory to come in the future. That thing that God is going to what? You stand in a place. You have access to that. Now, by faith, because of faith, you're justified by faith. You have this certain standing with God in which you have the hope of the glory of God. The glory of God is going to be revealed in you in ways that it isn't right now. Trust me, I'm sure some of you guys still take a leave for pain, still take sinus medication for allergies, do all those kind of things. There is a glory that's going to come in the future that we are going to realize that is much bigger than even just the the new bodies that we have. I mean, think of just the splendor in awe of what heaven is going to be like. And so Paul is... Is explained everybody's predicament. All have come short of the glory of God because they've sinned. And then he goes on to explain what God did to fix that problem. And that's what God has been doing ever since Adam took of that fruit. 
in Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In Christ, we will have that future glory. It's a certainty. And that's what we can understand. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 18. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed, not just to us there, does it? It says in us. There's a future glory that's going to be revealed in you, the believer. It's an amazing thing. Yes. Yep. That's what we're looking forward to. It's not what is he going to do us? Is he going to make us better than any other guy? Or are we going to have crowns? Are we going to have this? He didn't promise us that. He promised us that we would, if we believe in him, and truly believe in him, and do what he wants us to do, we shall receive. The last part? That's our hope. We will, we have a certainty to come. Titus chapter 2, which we'll be looking at, is that um, there is this thing that we're waiting on, this thing that's going to happen, the adoption that's going to take place. Again, I, I think that we can do an, a very good job of explaining the Scriptures, but I can tell you that the things that I think that are even revealed in the Scriptures scratch the surface of the understanding that God has regarding what's going to take place in the future. I mean, um, I think that there's a reason, and maybe, maybe some people don't get this, people don't understand, there's a reason why the Bible describes hell 100 times more than it describes heaven. Because God's concern is that, that you avoid hell, and he's going to tell you how to get to heaven. And so, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so, yes, here we see in, in verse 18 that there shall be uh, glory that's going to be revealed in us. Drop down to verse 30. It says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Your position, this is what I'm talking about, you're, from God's point of view, you're already certain. This is that, that glory. Your hope is so certain That's how certain it is. Again, once you put your faith in the finished work, once the, once the gospel of salvation is um, done its course, once the power of God has done its course, and I'm not talking about in your walk, meaning your sanctification, I'm talking about in, in understanding the gospel. Then it becomes a certainty. So when you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, um, we can rejoice about here that you know, in Romans and even here in Romans 8 and in Romans, um, Romans 5, we see that, that that doesn't mean that we're going to have all roses and, 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 and fairy tales between now and then. We're going to go through tribulations. And, and I don't care what the, the Word of Faith movement says or the name and claim it preachers say and all this kind of stuff. You're going to go through different in the hope of the glory of God because it's a certainty. And that's what Romans 5 continues to talk about. Go back to Romans chapter 5 verse 3. 
He says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulations hope. So, here we see this, we glory in tribulations. This word glory is the same word for rejoice in the Greek, if if you're interested in that, in verse 2. So, you can rejoice in tribulations. Why? Because of the hope that you have. Because of the certainty of the glory that's going to happen. We can rejoice in these tribulations. and experience hope. Now that doesn't mean that we rejoice or that we glory about all the tribulations that we have. I'm sure that you guys have faced tribulations that that you don't want to rejoice about. But we can certainly rejoice um, uh, even even though they take place because we know that all things do work together for good to them who are the called according. And so it's not... The, the sufferings of this present evil age are nothing to be compared, as we read earlier, of the glory that's going to come. And here he's talking about the fact that, that, that the tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience um, hope. So when we are weak, knowing that when we are weak, and sometimes I think we forget this and we we're so busy trying to, What's the what's the term? Pull up our pull up our own pants and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that there's certainly truth and self reliance. But when we're talking about um, the tribulations that sometimes we face, we we forget that we don't have to hide those difficulties that are going on in this world. We don't have to hide the pain that we're going through. Just because I know that my you know so and so died, and I know where they ended up. That There's difficulties that we face. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And this is exactly what he told Paul. This is exactly what he told Paul. Um, let's look at a couple of verses here. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Well, start in verse 7. For better context. Or Second Corinthians twelve seven it says, "Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, and He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee." I guess maybe we should say that Paul just didn't have enough faith to to heal whatever it was or to cast away or whatever. So. What, what you're saying is that like the people that are in the way of Ida right now, they obviously can't rejoice in the fact that Ida's going to hit them. But they, re- they can rejoice while they're going through that situation because they have the surety of God's glory. And they have the hope they have the hope that no matter what happens, all things do work together. In other words, in the end, regardless of the difficulties we have in this world, the fact of the matter is, is that there, we, God has secured us. He has 
is is that whenever we're facing tribulations, I guess the best thing, and it says that we should all we should give thanks always. Well, how do you give thanks always? Does doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give thanks because, you know, in my example, I don't have to give thanks that my son died. I have to I give thanks that that God's son died so that my son would live. There's always a place to give thanks, and that doesn't mean that again easy. But when we understand that the sufferings of this present evil, evil age are nothing to compare to the glory to, to happen, we can be. Because why? Because of the ultimate thing. Because the tribulations we face, and this is where people get this wrong, the tribulations we face in this life for anybody, but especially for the believer, it does not come from God. God is not causing your tribulations. Who's judged you and who's caused you to to go through these things? It's it's much easier to understand that I got into a car wreck because some fool cut me off than because God is against me. Do you see the difference? And when you realize if God before me, what? Now do you think that you can give thanks in all things, not for all things? As, as much as this was bad to happen to me, I know the future. Yeah. So when you're talking to someone who says why do bad things happen, is it too simplistic just to say that we're in a fallen world? And- no, I think it's a very good answer. I think that's an excellent answer. Too, too often we try to overcomplicate things. And, and the best answer... Um, what about how many people who are fallen and i don't know you know i guess we can can't really say this to somebody you know in so many words but to ourselves we remind ourselves how many people out there live their lives with greed how many people out there live their lives with selfish selfishness how many people live their lives in, in fill in the blank is there any wonder that there are bad things that happen fallen fallen world even when there's a tsunami that hits even when ida comes do you know how many how many you know so-called men of god are going to be on um their televangelists on, on sunday and say send me money and i will pray that this you know just utter nonsense it's complete and utter no- when when the fact of the matter is is that we forget that the earth sin and the earth is groaning and the result of that is there's turmoil there's earthquakes these these things Uh, god isn't doing that the earth is doing that sin caused that and so i think that's a that's an excellent um excellent answer for you to you um look at um did we look at uh yeah we we already did oh no look at uh philippians chapter four up here Philippians chapter 4 look at verse 6 and 7 it says be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known made known to God notice how it says with thanksgiving but it says with your requests um, so sometimes I think we, we make our requests and forget 
16. Um, uh, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, you know, understanding that when we go to God, there's a reason we can always give thanks. And that reason is because God is not against us. God is for us. We have this position. But drop down to verse 12. He says, I know both, and so many people misunderstand this passage. Who, who's ever heard that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens The idea that, boy, I can do that job. I can, you know what, I can, I can go do that. Understanding what Paul's talking about here is I can be humbled or I can be lifted up. I can take either situation. So he's really actually talking about the fact that he can be made low and he can handle that. Now, how many people want to rejoice in that? That's what he's talking about. And I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And so... Here we understand, again, that when we're talking about the tribulations or the difficulties or the hardships, um, again, we don't have that name and claim it um, gospel. We don't have that word of faith where you just... Paul went through the tribulations. Paul went through the sufferings. You are going to go through that. But guess what? As we saw in Romans chapter 5, these, these first five verses, you stand in the grace that God has given you. You access that by faith. And so we can glory in the tribulations. We can glory because of the hope. And and we didn't read it yet, but um, we didn't didn't get to. Look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Verse 13. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope. But what is that blessed hope? Of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's talking about that day. That day when Christ comes down to take his church at the rapture, that we're, we're looking for that hope. We're supposed to be actively looking forward to that. And whenever you concern yourself with that, you're going to concern yourself with the weeds much less. And so this is a lot of what Paul's talking about. Understand that your hope is a, is a no-so. Any, any comments? I didn't even get into... So we'll have to go through some of that next week again. I want to talk about the love, um, the love of love of God, and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, Mike. I think, I think we need to 